Hello, everybody. This episode is focused on self-injury, the potential origins, and just an open, honest discussion about this topic. And I feel like it's very important to talk about this kind of thing. It's a very taboo subject of conversation, and I've struggled with this problem on and off since I was 14. And now I'm at a point where I've been clean for a while, and I really want to just express how how I feel about this subject and, you know, the potential origins that have applied to my situation and hopefully provide a more in-depth understanding of where this problem comes from and hopefully this can help other people assist themselves or other people that they know that struggle with this problem. And it can be a very challenging issue to deal with from the perspective of someone who deals with it themselves or a loved one of someone who deals with it. But I think that it's important to just talk about it. So yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing in this episode. Self-injury, self-harm, self-mutilation, whatever you want to call it, is a serious and addictive coping mechanism that people typically use to feel pain after a period of numbness because they feel like they deserve to feel that pain or simply as a means of coping with their struggles. I personally, and unfortunately, have had a plethora of experience with self-harm, and the intensity of the triggers can certainly ebb and flow. No pun intended. Sometimes I have moments of severe inclination to cause myself pain in some way, and sometimes I feel very content and as, as if there's no valid reason to harm myself. And sometimes I'm very on edge, and I'm on the edge of the cliff, and all I need is the most minuscule phrase or occurrence to push me into a mental hell encompassed with uncertainty. But why do people choose to harm themselves, and why do people choose to cause themselves physical pain? The number of people who simply cannot comprehend the predilection to self-harm is astounding and ultimately dangerous. A fundamental understanding of the factors that contribute to the precipitation of these episodes is essential in being able to genuinely assist someone who struggles. Without any ounce of comprehension of this malady, it is nearly impossible to truly help someone who possesses it. There is simply no one answer to the broad question of why, though. However, I will be trying to spend time here to educate anyone and everyone about the origins, contributions, signs, symptoms, and effects of this mentality. Cutting, burning, restricting, anything to the point of detriment or a mental consumption of that restriction, binging, purging, and scratching are all examples of forms of self-injury. Much of the time, loved ones of people who struggle with self-harm are afraid to speak up about their concerns with the person directly or with professionals out of fear of betrayal or potential responses from the person. Despite the hesitation, any self-injurious self-injurious behaviors are too significant of an issue to neglect. Yes, the person who engages in these behaviors will most likely have an adverse reaction to receiving help. But why? Well, in simple terms, it's an addiction. An overwhelmingly large quantity of individuals who suffer from almost any form of addiction are acutely hesitant to abolish or sometimes even merely fade out their addiction. A person who's addicted to either substances or behaviors usually becomes comfortably familiar with their addiction, and self-harm is an addiction. The sensation of feeling that physical pain becomes an insatiable perception. I understand that lacking the illness that causes one to harm themselves can make it more difficult to understand the mere notion of that desire. It can be even more strenuous for those who have loved ones who are severely impacted by their illness. I understand the perspective of my loved ones. 
which is vital to maintaining a well-rounded mindset and intellect. While I'm not directly in their shoes, I can empathize with their fears of saying the wrong things, triggering me, what may do to what I may do to myself when I'm emotional, my outbursts or emo- or episodes altogether, and a variety of other worries. I believe that it's essential for both parties to create a more conducive, comfortable, and understanding environment while still maintaining boundaries and firmness in support of everyone's well-being. And in, in having an in-depth and pr- productive conversation about communication, triggers, treatment, boundaries, balance, and the specific relationship and its needs can only be advantageous. Whether you're reading this as a person who struggles with th- this addiction or a loved one or acquaintance of someone who battles this or someone who hasn't really been personally affected by this disease whatsoever, gradually gaining a fresh perspective on this concept can be exponentially beneficial. Knowledge is power. That is general and truly wise. So that definitely, and that statement definitely applies directly to the whole idea of self-harm. One does not need to have directly been impacted by it to empathize with these cognitive distortions. Empathy, as well as a basic understanding of this type of mentality, will inevitably enhance any person's intelligence and ability to support those who struggle and assist with their specific needs. The particular actions or thought processes of those who battle with this debilitating affliction can widely vary per person. Sometimes people don't fully understand why they're even harming themselves. Sometimes people initiate this issue at a young age for a reason that they cannot recall at the time and the addictive habit continues throughout their life. The most common contributions that may lead to one to injure themselves are generally overwhelming, numbing, painful, depressing, and or abusive factors within their life. Specifically, the difficulties can come from financial struggles, abusive relationships, or one, trauma itself, or flashbacks from trauma, the death of a loved one, issues with gender identity or sexuality, increased stress, religious pressures, pressures at school or work, pressures from a family, a physical illness of themselves or a loved one, a loss of a job, the abandonment of a friend or a breakup, or generally having a range of mental health disorders that frequently clash with one another. I know that definitely applies to me. I have a plethora of mental health disorders and they all often collide and sometimes I just feel very overwhelmed and that can happen to a lot of people. And I think it's very important for people to understand that people who have this struggle are not, do not have malicious intentions, usually. I can't speak for everyone, but I don't. I can say that. I don't want to hurt other people. Like I, I've said this in a couple of my other episodes, and especially in my borderline episode, people with borderline do not want to hurt other people. Usually, it's usually they want to hurt themselves. And I have borderline. And self-injury is a huge thing that comes with borderline often. And I know that for me, I whenever I'm hurting myself, it's not for, it's not necessarily for, quote, attention per se. It's more as a cry for help more than attention. I think there's a distinction there. I hurt myself because I feel like I deserve it because I want to feel something after I've felt numb for so long or I'm coping with some thing that's going on in my head or in my life or I just want someone in my family to, like, I guess... 
understand how bad I'm feeling. That this is, I'm feeling so bad to the point where I feel like I want to hurt myself. And I really wish that you would just understand how bad it is. I think that comes with a lot of people with self-harm as well. And I wanted to emphasize that as well. But all in all, self-harm is a taboo topic of conversation for many people. And the sensitive nature of this important discussion needs to really be abandoned entirely. I know that topics like this are just uncomfortable for people to talk about because they don't understand it or it's out of their realm of comfort, I guess. It's just, it's not like safe. It's something that is needs to be explored further and that scares a lot of people and I don't necessarily understand that I just feel like it's as a part of evolving society we need to be able to evolve in our mentalities and openness when it comes to stuff like this yeah so it's it's honestly crucial it's beyond crucial honestly to be open and honest and discuss your particular barriers or stressors with those that you really trust. Regardless of your particular perspective on this matter, whether you've been remotely engrossed in this battle or not, educating yourself about it will only benefit you. A broad spectrum of contributing factors play into the cause of these episodes, and that is exactly why having productive and authentic discussions about the specific roots of this mental toil is paramount toward any improvement. And with that, I'm going to conclude this episode. I'm Zoe from Ebbs and Flows with Zoe Frenchman, and I will see you guys in my next episode.